2: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the help, hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, here we are, folks, about two months into this COVID virus situation, and uh, I'm sure you've seen the same thing I'm seeing on TV, which is um, a good percentage of people are starting to push to open everything back up. I don't have a personal opinion on this argument either way because I'm one of the people that's at highest risk, um, older. I have all kinds of uh, underlying health issues like diabetes and so forth. And so, you know, them trying to keep all of us old people alive sounds pretty good to me. At the same time, as a business person, I realize that there's a lot of small businesses out there that are just going to get waxed. And then other people that are going to come through this just fine. There's going to be winners and there's going to be losers like there is in everything in life. In fact, some people are going to get super, super rich out of this situation. So, as we sit back and we analyze where we're at in this cycle and who we are and how we fit in, Uh, we have multiple different positions to take, different hats to wear as we look through this. So if you look, you know, beyond, just slightly beyond where you're at as an individual right now, which may not even be possible, and I have no problem if you're sitting there going, I'm scared to death, I don't have a job, I don't know if I can pay my bills or my rent or whatever. And that is the priority worry on your mind right now. I understand that okay um, on the other hand, on the other hand, if you're in a situation where you have enough money to survive, you still have a job uh, or you know your job will come back rather quickly once they pull this thing out, uh, and you see that they're starting to come back they're starting they have a plan you know, and whatever that plan is i by the way, to be honest with, you, I haven't read any of the plans because to me, all of them are different, and to me, it doesn't make any sense to go. Okay, well, this guy's plan is this. This guy's got plan. This, this guy's plans that, and then chime in on them because I have no power over any of them. Um, I suppose, as a business person, we're supposed to watch when it's our turn to come back. I'm pretty sure they're going to let that be known. My point more is along the lines of, what are you going to do when it's time to come back? That's the key factor. So for us our biggest thing is looking at what we can do to survive so for those of us who are already in real estate investing we've already gone out and got our loans our funding loans our PPP loans and for those of you that understand what's going on with the PPP loan then uh, you understand that they ran out of money the Small Business Administration's uh, payroll protection plan uh, is gone it's used up right now they're trying to put more money into it and if you're someone that didn't get in on the first swipe, then you probably should try really, really hard to get in on the second swipe and uh, get your hands on some money in case you can't work through your problem. Now, interestingly enough, I've had psychological problems with this just because I don't believe in handouts. And um, as more of a libertarian than anything, if there was a political affiliation, I could even come close to affiliated with Be libertarian. You know, the the government making winners and losers to me is an uncomfortable situation but not uncomfortable enough to not take my swipe at the apple right and so i'm wondering if the economy turns around and people don't need this money are they going to give it back I actually heard somebody on tv say Uh, You know, I'm gonna give mine back so small businesses can get theirs. You know, I have a gigantic company I don't remember who it was, but he was just saying in our company We don't need it. So I'm gonna give it back so smaller businesses that couldn't get to it can get their hands on it Very valiant very valiant and by the way, you know that this is gonna work out one of two ways one way is that They are going to make us pay it back in other words. They've said I'm sorry Let's start the other way one way is they said that if we pay all of our payroll for two months that then they will forgive the loan. For some reason, the skeptic in me, the deep, dark, dark skeptic in me says, I don't really believe that's going to happen. What I really believe is going to happen is they're going to come up with excuses. They're going to go, if you lost more than a certain amount of money, if this happened, if that happened, um, if you didn't do anything wrong, if you filed your correct you know, returns, if you did, da, da 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 and they're going to squeeze a lot of people out of that. It's going to be very few people they actually will... Um, forgive the debt indebtedness for, is my belief, okay? That's just because I'm a government skeptic. That's what being a libertarian is. Um, So when we look at this situation and we talk about um, what comes out of that, we're going to look at today, and I have actually more material that I can cover today and more material i could add due today and wednesday now tomorrow i've got a guest on so whatever we don't get done today i'll bring back wednesday and if i don't get it done wednesday we'll go in thursday but i want to cover a couple topics that i think are really important uh this week and one of which is this very very big issue the government is saying that they are going to allow for forbearance on mortgages well If you don't understand what forbearance is, the word is not an everyday used word. Forbearance is when they let you not make your mortgage payments. And they're talking about a three-month forbearance period. So people can just not make their mortgage payments three months. All right, that's cool. Here's the challenge with that. Is that the mortgage payment is only a very small percentage of the overall cost of operating a real estate business probably 25 percent or less I actually there's a graph out there that someone sent me it showed you exactly what it was but in reality it's it's a very small percentage you've got not only mortgage payment you've got taxes massive costs, insurance massive costs, you've got payroll massive cost maintenance and repair right and when you add all those up mortgage payments are only a percentage of all the costs necessary to operate these properties so First of all, the forbearance issue, then, isn't an end-all, be-all guarantee of survival. But I would suggest to you that there are all kinds of unintended consequences that could fall out on the other side of that, right? All right. Second topic I want to get to is what is occurring right now? You know, we said that there's going to be some great deals that come up. I believe there will be. And I believe that the knife has started to fall. Which means trying to catch a falling knife you could get cut and you could get cut badly And so I perceive that there are going to be some people that really don't know what they're doing that are going to be told that They're getting a heck of a deal, but what they're getting is some kind of a ripoff and I've I've got an entire Conversation about this that I want to go into but it's a full maybe whole radio show topic um, That's important to understand that there are massive gotchas when you're in a downward falling market and you need to be aware of them I'll give you one just example that's occurring right now uh, just to wet the beak here a little bit and that is if you go out and buy a property right now let's say I go buy an apartment complex and if I could steal that apartment complex I have to go number one and get a loan okay there's some real difficulties with that especially if the property's not financing financially solid it's not sound and that's why I'm getting a deal on it because it's not sound there are some difficulties on that because I can't inspect the property. So what do you mean you can't inspect the property? Because I can't go into the units. What do you mean you can't go into units? How can you go into them normally? Normally we can go into them because the leases say if given 24-hour notice, we can get into every unit. But now with the COVID virus stuff, they're not letting us in and we don't even want to go in, let alone letting us in, right? And so you've got this access problem. Uh, Without access you really don't know what you're buying and boom There's going to be a lot of bloody noses on the other end of contractual deals that don't make sense All right Another giant topic that I want to go into and it's a giant topic that will be covered over at least a day period of time or half a day at minimum and that is What about the fact of people that have never done this before? uh, that are out there and are going to jump into it with no real skill sets these people are going to get butchered. Do you understand that? They're going to get butchered uh, because people are going to take advantage of them. And they're going to be so excited because they're hearing, man, look at these deals Dell is talking about on lifestyles and the national real estate pon- uh, you know, pontificators are talking about. This is a great opportunity to buy, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to roll out into this thing thinking, wow, this is just a great time. And their theory is time-ing time ing The timing of a purchase is how you make money in investments. And so if the market's in a bad way, buying now is going to make me a difference. But the reality is, they're buying the wrong way. We'll take a short break and come back and talk about the other topics I think is relevant on this Monday.
0: What would happen if you didn't show up for work tomorrow, for the next couple of days, for a week? What about a month? A year? How soon before you'd lose everything you've worked so hard for in a fraction of the time it took you to earn it? If this fear keeps you up at night, it's time to learn the strategies we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. You can start with the workshop. Go to LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com and find your true financial peace. Like so many of our members already have, go to LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com.
3: We know you're out there, hiding in plain sight, get total freedom in your life safely and quickly. Build wealth and passive income so you never worry about working until you drop, losing your job or retiring in poverty. Over 28 years ago, Dell Walmsley founded Lifestyles Unlimited. Dell has taught over 100,000 people just like me and you the principles of financial freedom through his national radio shows and personal one-on-one mentoring at Lifestyles Unlimited. I'm excited to tell you about the real estate workshop that has changed so many lives. This workshop takes you inside what we do and what we believe. We'll share with you the five ways we make money in real estate and much more. Just like your personal trainer, the Lifestyles Unlimited team will motivate, encourage, and teach you so you can get in the best financial shape of your life. Call 866-971-8970 or go to dellontheradio.com. That's dellontheradio.com to register for the workshop that will change your life. That's dellontheradio.com.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Talk 1370. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Dell Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're uh, outlining some issues I think we're going to be looking at here for this week. Um because I think there's a lot of stuff that's coming up here in the near future uh, because of the situation we're in uh, with the COVID virus starting to slow and people starting to look at opening this thing back up. And my premise is that as this thing turns around and these opportunities start to exist for real estate deals to be done, um, there's going to be a bunch of people out there that really don't know what they're doing, and they're going to get whacked, Uh, and they're going to get whacked hard. Uh, on some of these situations and when I looked at this I I came up with a whole bunch of different categories of why people would get whacked and the first one I want to cover is something that's near and dear to me I've had a problem with this ever since I started teaching uh, and it's the basic concept of the type A type B personality a type A personality is someone with instantaneous gratification disease A type B personality is someone with analysis paralysis disease. One, the type A, wants it now and cannot wait and will do anything they can to get it done immediately, including fail. And fail and fail over and over again. And then wake up 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life later and realize they have nothing. And will not blame the fact that they have nothing on the fact that they failed at 10 years, they failed at 20 years, they failed at 30 years, they failed at 40 years, they failed at 50 years, they failed at 60 years, they failed at 70 years. And every 10 years, they start something new and they end something and it fails and on and on they go. Failures by nature, type A personality, instantaneous gratificationally diseased people want something so bad that they will take actions that they don't even know how to do and they will get themselves into problems they can't get out of. And what happens with this type of an individual is that they'll go out there and they'll start a thousand different projects and finish none of them, right? They have a belief system, and that belief system is if you throw enough mud on the wall, something has to stick. That's the way they see the world. But the other thing, right, the other part of that belief system Is almost every self-help guru in the world will teach this and it's because they're teaching to the people in this world that are unsophisticated enough to be mentally manipulated and what they tell them is is that there is no such thing as failure that's right if you talk to uh, Mark Cuban billionaire he'll tell you there's no such thing as failure if you talk to Tony Robbins no such thing as failure Every self-help guru out there believes that. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki went so far to say there's no, su- no such thing as failure, and he said, you know, I've started a 1,000 businesses. I've failed at almost every single one of them, but no one was ever mad at me who invested in my businesses. In other words, all the people I lost their money, no one was ever mad because I always let them have the first chance to get into my next deal. If you even If you're not laughing yourself off the couch right now with that statement, Then you're a type a if you think there's any relevance to that at all you're a type a the reality is no one should want to be with you in investment if you've failed even once and you say well that's just not fair then nobody would ever be successful look let me explain something the difference between failure and redirection when i was a kid i started a lemonade stand did i get rich from it no did i stick with it no i didn't understand that a lemonade stand was not the secret to getting wealthy. Did I consider this a failure? No, I considered it part of an educational process of how to get somebody to pay you something for something. Right? Then I started a magic show, and I I learned how to get people to pay you something to do something, to perform for them. And then I started a trash collection service where I'd go around with my wagon and look at stuff in the trash cans that I could resell, take it home, to put it in my garage, and then have a garage sale. In all of these situations, each one of these situations, I thought I would hung the moon. And in each one of these situations, I was a failure. Or was I? The answer is no. I didn't fail my way to success. In each one of these, I learned a little more technology, a little more salesmanship, a little more math and science, and a little more accounting, and got closer and closer to being an effective business person. I didn't fail. Now, how do you define failure? Failure is when you look in your bank account and you're broke. Failure is when you look at your credit report and it's destroyed. You're a failure financially. Not as a human being. You might be an incredible Christian. You might be a wonderful wife, a wonderful husband, a wonderful daughter, a wonderful son, a wonderful grandparent. But financially, you have failed. But failures believe that success is a place that is right on the other side of failure. And I've heard it said by guys like Cuban... If you're not now where you want to be in life, you haven't failed enough times. You need to get out there and fail more and more and more. And I'm telling you, the reality is Cuban is doing people a disfavor by telling them that because Cuban didn't fail. Cuban succeeded and became a billionaire. Now, in every business and every endeavor you ever start, there are setbacks. There is a learning curve. There are things you try that work and things you try that don't work. But that is not failure. I started Lifestyles 30 years ago. I started it out of my living room. That didn't make me a failure, but it didn't make me any money. When we grew it and we had one little ad in the paper for 10 years, it was a little 3 by 3 ad that wasn't enough marketing to make anything happen. So we didn't make any money. Lifestyles was net neutral for 10 years. I kept teaching because I liked to teach and because I had enough money coming in from real estate that I wasn't a failure in life financially. And then when we finally figured it out, When we found out that getting on the radio was part of it, we found out that we should be charging more for our product because we were undercharging. And there's no way we could meet the cost variance to price product ratio that made sense. Then we got better. And then we got better at marketing. And then we got better and better. And now we're all over the whole country. But I didn't fail. I grew. But I didn't succeed instantly, and that's the other thing failures believe. They believe they have the right to be just as successful as the person who has worked hard for 10 or 20 years. There's a saying out there in Book Tipping Point says, everybody who's ever been successful, be- people believe that they became an overnight success. And the answer is they became an overnight success after 10,000 hours of practicing what they do. Yet failures, they think that they can come in and read the book and tomorrow do the same thing and have the same kind of money. That successful people who are willing to stick to something for 10,000 hours stuck to and it just isn't going to happen, and those people are going to come out of the woodwork, and those people are going to get into this recession, opportunity and get crushed. Believe me, we'll replay this show two years from now. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
3: Talk 13-7, the right choice.
1: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Dell Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about uh, in this segment the topic or we're continuing the topic of If this market opens back up to where we're going to have some great deals available to us, is that going to be available to everybody? And I don't mean as is are these deals not going to be available to everybody physically. But what I would try to state, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, it's hard to say, is that they're not going to be. Accessible to everybody, and that some people don't really know how to take advantage of it. And there's going to be some people that are just are simply not able to do it because they don't have any idea at all. And maybe that's the Type B persons, personalities I was talking about before, where they'll sit on the sideline, and one or two things is occurring. Either they don't understand it, and they want to go get more information about it before they do it. And by the way, if you're that Type B, you're like me, then get in here right now and start getting educated now before these deals start popping up. That's an absolute necessity to do okay um or maybe they just don't believe they're non-believers because type b's like us are skeptics about everything uh so you know they're 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 sitting on the sideline they're out of the game because of that uh so on and so forth or they're out of the game and most b's are successful financially to some degree whatever that degree is they may be middle class they may be upper class they may be rich but it's typically type a's that are broke because I always say, you, you want to know if you're a type A, look in your look in your checkbook. If you're broke, you're a type A. Um, if you're married and you're broke, then ask who owns and controls the checkbook and the credit cards. And that's, if it's not you, then you're the type A. Because the reality is, is that understanding how to control money means not spending it. That's the hardest thing in the world for type A's, is that they want to throw money at situations. And they have no respect for money. To them, they have a saying if it, it, it they believe that money is like blood it has to be flowing for it to be doing them any good and if their money doesn't flow it's not benefiting them it's not doing them any good sitting right there and stopping and not moving is not beneficial for a type a personality they just can't get their arms around them. they got to have it doing something right and so they're out there taking risks over and over and over again now some of the risks that they go into is that they don't really understand what they're doing and they don't really care. Um, I went to a class this weekend, and um, I'm not going to go into what it was, but I'll probably tell you later on the week or next week. But I was getting educated on something, something that I don't have the education level that I wanted to have. So I'm in the class, and there's 20 people in the class because of COVID they had to cut the class down. Maybe there's only, actually there's only 10, 10 people. That's right. They'd taken a 20 room 20-person class, cut it down to 10. And what was happening was in all classes you go to is that some of the people were there just to get out of there. They go, I just want to pass the test. That's all I care. I want to get out of here. Let's get through this thing, blah, blah, blah. And then myself and a couple others, maybe, I don't know what the other ones were actually thinking because of the COVID thing. We were so far apart. We weren't really communicating that much. But... I was under the thing is like, look, I'm not getting my money's worth out of this. I've got questions. And so as the teacher taught and taught and taught, I was feeling like, wait a minute, you're not covering that clearly enough. You know, you're, you're. Grazing over that, and not only are you grazing over it, you're grazing over it with a political intent, and a joke, and, and, a, and a comment, and which is okay. I mean, that's a good. Speaker can keep you interested that way, and keep it funny. But at the end, it was like I felt like I might not pass the test. I was really worried I wouldn't pass the test because the the material was so ambiguous. And in a couple of situations in the class, I kept. I was, by the way, I was the one of uh, if there were ten hands raised to ask questions, I did it seven of the ten times. And I'd raise it in a hand and ask a question. The guy would go, "Boy, that's really a good question. I wonder why that's not in the material." <laughs> you know, just strange stuff. And I just thought about it to myself, thinking these people really don't care. They don't really care if they walk out the door with the knowledge necessary to be proficient at what we're here to learn. They just want to get the they want to get the uh, the test passed. And I thought, wow. This is really the way the world really works. And if you look at life like that, that there's some people that just got through school just to get through it. Other people got through school to learn from it. And, and you look at what they do in life when they get out of, after they get out of school. And you, again, look at what they're trying to do. They try to do it with the least amount of education possible. Right? They just say, well, it kind of lived by the Tony Robbins thing, which is uh, ready, aim, fire. I'm sorry. No, fire, ready, aim. I got that backwards. <laughs> Normally, it would be ready, aim, fire, right? But no, Tony says just fire, then ready, aim. What does that mean? It means go do something. If it doesn't work, at least you know what doesn't work. What a dumb idea. At least you don't know what doesn't work. And you lost $10,000, dollars $30,000 figuring out what doesn't work. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, Tony Robbins. And uh, I know that you're a great salesman and marketer, and you've marketed the heck out of yourself, and you've become famous. But I would never invest with you. In fact, I had an opportunity to invest with Tony Robbins and buy one of his franchises. I said, no way. After I got to see the guy's business practices and the people and the the way he had dealt with business partners in the past, I wouldn't do it. And you have to understand this. that Just because someone gets out there and they become famous and, and they have this ability to communicate, and motivate they can motivate you so much that you can run into a wall I see people coming out of motivational classes is like a little toy you know those little wind-up toys the little Donald Duck ter 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 and you wind them up and wind them up and wind them up and you put them on the ground and they shake and they waddle and then, and then they go forward and they run into the wall and they fall down that's what I see by most self-help programs that's what I see happening to most people that go out there to try to do this stuff right they get out there And they just go and go and go and go, but it doesn't get them anywhere. Yeah, they'll get a deal. They'll find a deal. I ran into a guy yesterday, or not yesterday, I'm sorry, this is about a week ago. Pardon my exaggeration. And he sent me an email. He says, look, I bought this house. I bought it for uh, $26,000, and it needs $36,000 worth of repair. And I said, well, what's it worth when you're done? He says, oh, about $60,000. I go, are you out of your mind? Just Think of that logic, guys. First of all, if the house is totally only worth thirty-six or sixty thousand total, and I, I mean I had this conversation with the person by email, and I said, "Why would you buy a house only worth sixty thousand dollars when it has thirty-six thousand dollars worth of rehab?" And he bought it cheap, so he figured, "Well, that's I bought it cheap. That's a great deal." It's a great deal until you do $36,000 worth of rehab. And then I asked him how old the house was, and the house was over 100 years old. And then he proceeded to tell me about two other ones he had done, had failed at. Both of them, houses 100 years old in his area, in his neighborhood, that he would bought and tried to rent and tried to live in and tried to do this with and never really got the whole system together to make it work and never really got anywhere made any money. And then with what assets and stuff he had toiled together to get, got, you know, something in his bucket, call his assets, and then something happened in his personal life and just trounced it all. And he had nothing again. But now he's back on his feet because, see, these kinds of people are easily motivated. And he was back on his feet, and he's contacting me, saying, okay, I got the wrong information now. I'm coming to you this time. I can get better information. But what he's trying to do is come to me with deals that don't work because he hasn't first gotten the right information and then went and looked for the deal. You can't ask me how to fix a mistake. You can't fix mistakes, folks. They're mistakes that shouldn't have been done. I have this thing in my book, in my manual, if you go through my course, and it says, In the back of the book, I make everybody go to the back of the book and write this down. I will not do what Dell told me to do. You know why people write that in there? It's because for 30 years I would tell people, don't buy this kind of property. And guess what they do? Uh, For example, i say, never buy a condo. The first question they would raise their hand in class and ask is, how do you finance a condo? Are you out of your mind? Well, I have an opportunity to buy a great deal on a condo. Condos are never a great deal. Well, I, I can do
1: ah shoot me.
2: People that know nothing in this world about topics wanna to tell the people that know everything about them what to do. And when their way doesn't work, they wanna come back and go, Man, I should have listened to you, but what can I do now? And hey, this is a family show, so I can't tell you what you should do now. <laughs> You have to realize what you can't do is expect me to figure out how to fix your problem. The reason I told you it was a problem in the first place was because it was something that we have run across over 30 years that was so devastating you can't fix them, so don't do them. But that doesn't seem to matter to a type A personality. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. You have to decide, am I willing to get in right now? Is the world over, is the good world over, is it going to crash?
0: Miss your chance to ask Dell a question during the show? You can connect with Dell off the air, too. Go to dellontheradio.com, click on the Twitter link, and ask your question. Hashtag Ask Dell.
2: I believe that a good teacher has the skill set to be able to bring people through multiple levels of learning that are completely different from one another.
0: Have a comment for Dell instead? Hashtag TellDell.
3: We know you're out there, hiding in plain sight, living a life of quiet desperation, wondering if you're going to beat your money to the grave. There's a better way, a better life at Lifestyles Unlimited. It's time to live the life you deserve. You can only do that by creating passive income. Let us show you how. It's just two hours. It can't be worse than another meeting about meetings or another mindless night in front of the TV. Go to LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. That's LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com.
1: Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to
2: Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're discussing um, topics that I think are going to start occurring here in the future. And I'm just going to give you a rundown of the topics I intend to to follow up on this week. One of them is um, beware of the consequences or the unintended consequences of mortgage forbearance. It's going to start occurring here uh, as soon as they start letting these people not make these mortgage payments, both single family and multifamily. I think this is going to be a really big problem for our country. And I want to talk about the domino effect. As the dominoes start to tumble, what's going to happen, what you can expect and where you need to be to position yourself on this. Uh, biggest class of all, this is the biggest class I've got this week I want to get across, is called Beware of Partnerships. Uh, 30 years ago when I first started writing the classes, one of the, uh, think about the 15th class I wrote, uh, because it was a 15-week cycle and this was the last class of all, was called Beware of Partnerships. And here's how the partnership Class started, believe it or not. Partnerships suck. Yep, that's how the class started. That was the heading. And here's 15 hours of information on how to fix that. Now, obviously, I can't go 15 hours in a radio show, uh, but what I do want to do is highlight some of the challenges that come up with partnerships and why they come up and so on and so forth. And just to give you a little teaser on that, let's just Think about partnershipping as a general sense, okay? Now I want to make sure that you understand we're not talking about syndications. Syndications themselves have a completely different set of challenges, problems, and advantages. Partnerships have a set of challenges and problems with what I call perceived benefits. Now, the reason I call them perceived benefits is because The benefits that you could perceive or receive not perceive could receive out of a partnership don't always occur you have to set the partnership up hence the concept 15 hours of how to fix that in that a partnership in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a success you want a little fact and figures behind that I looked this up before I came in here today Um, Currently in the U.S., there are 2.4 million marriages a year. Now, you want to talk about a partnership. There's a simple partnership. Sometimes the partnership is written out of writing, which is good. And sometimes there's no documentation whatsoever, which is bad. And then sometimes there's something in between. But even with this being the number one partnership agreement assertion in our society in other words you think almost everybody wants to do it there's some benefit for doing it right that it should work in and of itself marriage should immediately make life better right that's why you get married marriage is a partnership to accomplish something maybe it's raising kids maybe it's building you know growing your wealth together Uh, maybe it's just having fun Whatever, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is, whatever the goal of this partnership was, you know, you would think that there's got to be some good reasons to get into it and some better reasons to stay into it. And even then you would think that, my gosh, I mean, most people that do it is something almost everybody does, right? Well, that's becoming less true every day. There are more and more people that are single. Uh, one of our employees is from Sweden, and she said, I think it was 75 or 80% of the people in Sweden are single. In other words, almost nobody gets married in Sweden. That's bizarre when she told us that. Now, we, we got that in a meeting the other day. We just asked, uh, you know, have you had a chance to go back to Sweden? She goes, no, I can't get back there. And you go, well, you know, how are they doing? She goes, there's almost no coronavirus at all. And it's like. Fourteen people died or some stupid number. I don't know what it was, but it was a very low number. And I so said, why is that? Because there is no social mingling. There is no social touching. There is no in fact kissing isn't even big over there. Handshaking isn't big over there. Hugging isn't big over there. It's just a different society, and marriage is almost null. I mean, eighty percent of the people are single. So you come back to the US here and you say, okay, well, we're much more We believe in this thing called love This just, you know, forget about the facts and the reality and the contractual reality and the financial reality and the physical health reality and the emotional stability realities. Forget about all the realities. People just get married without thinking about it. And hence, what's the outcome? Though there are 2.4 million marriages a year in America, in the U.S., there are 1.2 million divorces. Half as many people as getting married each year are getting divorced. Wow, that's an amazing number, isn't it? It's an amazing number until you think about the reality of why partnerships suck and why partnerships fail. And whether it be a marriage or whether it be a business partnership arrangement, or just a co-arrangement even co-arrangements with their loosely structured partnerships don't work. I got an example, we got a couple people who left out there that tried to do this really stupid thing. They tried to buy two apartment complexes that were originally tied together and they decided that they'd buy them separately and split them and one guy would own one half and one guy would own the one on the other side of the road and they would run them together. Not own them together, not one big property together, but each one would own half. And one guy would let his people use the other guy's pool, and the other guy would use his office. And this is the most ridiculously structured environment that you could possibly come up with. Buying all of it and putting it together and owning it as one would have been okay. Buying them separately and having no agreement between each other would be okay. But buying them separately and then trying to run them together is an absolute insane concept of partnershiping. And they're having challenges right now. We're trying to help them. But, I mean, like I said, don't come to me and ask me to get you out of a problem that you're you're not following what I told you to do got you into because I can't. So when we come back Wednesday, because tomorrow I have a guest, when we come back Wednesday, all these other topics that I was going to talk about, including forbearance, including partnerships, the whole bit, I'm going to do that on Wednesday. So you don't want to miss Wednesday. It's going to be a great, great show. But remember, as we go all through this, it's not just for a little more money. It's for a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.